Because when we're flooded, we actually don't know that we're flooded. We think that we are justifiably annoyed and justifiably angry. And we are filled with thoughts about how the other person is a jerk or is being unfair or is thoughtless or selfish or whatever else. We don't know that we're flooded, which is why we can stay in the flooded state for a long period of time. So the number one thing is getting good at recognizing when you're flooded. Welcome to Heal Your Relationships. This podcast is all about healing your marriage and your other close relationships without waiting for the people around you to change. I'm your host, Dr. Kavita Sun. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, my friends. Happy Thursday. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that I've been chatting with you guys for months and months of Thursdays now. (laughs) It feels really good to have consistency in my relationships, right? That's another form of a need for me, certainly, and probably for you too. Many of us need a sense of consistency and certainty and dependability in our relationships. And it's fascinating how a weekly podcast actually builds that in my heart. And I'm hoping it is being received in yours as well. So I wanted to talk about stonewalling today. It's a really slippery, but super important topic in relationships, whether it is with somebody that you're romantically committed to or married to, or it could even be in your close friendships, it could be with your mom or your sister. Typically, it shows up in close relationships. Why is that? Now, it may be that you're a stonewaller or somebody else in your life is a stonewaller. But either way, it doesn't often show up in, you know, casual work relationships or colleagues or casual friendships, because our attachment wounds don't get poked by those distant relationships, which is why, say, I've had clients say to me, I can communicate great with my colleagues and my friends, but why can't I communicate? Why do I get so overwhelmed or anxious or angry with my husband or my mom? It's because your attachment wounds are not being poked. They're not even active in distant relationships. That goes for everyone else in your life as well. So today, what we're going to talk about is number one, what is stonewalling, right? How do you even recognize it? Number two, why does it happen? Number three, the different kinds of stonewalling. And number four, three steps to begin to tackle it. All right. So stay tuned and listen to the end because I'm going to really break this down. So number one, what is it? Stonewalling is basically a flooding of somebody's nervous system. When a person is about to go into stonewalling or is stonewalling, their nervous system is actually overwhelmed. They are flooded, right? What is a flood? It's literally when the water overpowers the capacity of the river bank to hold it. That's the same thing here. Your nervous system has been overcome. The stimulus that's coming in is beyond the capacity of your nervous system or your loved one's nervous system to contain or process in that moment. That is what stonewalling is. It can appear and come across as if the other person is calm 
And it may even appear that they don't care or they're being dismissive. But in actuality, when we put biomedical markers, right, when we have heart rate monitors and other sensors that pick up sweat, that is a a reflection of your autonomic nervous system. These are all buzzwords to say that there are lots of ways in research that we can tell that whenever someone is in stonewalling, their autonomic nervous system is in overdrive and they can barely think. So that's number one. You want to know what it is. Number two, why does it happen? So the why is simpler than you would think. The thing is, human beings, we all, every single one of us, we have a primitive brain called the amygdala, which is concerned with conserving energy, finding food, and keeping us alive and keeping us out of danger. That means that since now you are alive, Whatever you are doing right now, your amygdala thinks is a good idea because clearly you're alive and clearly you have enough food to eat. So it must be working. Remember, another thing that it likes to do is conserve energy. So it's not going to be looking for a better system because just looking, researching, trying things requires spending energy. And the amygdala does not want to spend any excess energy. It wants to conserve energy just in case a tiger is chasing you tomorrow and you need all that energy to be able to escape. So this amygdala is there in every single human being. Some of our amygdalas, when it is in fear, when it's worried for your safety, will turn into shutdown, which means that it sort of goes into its shell, it makes you go into your shell. And inside your shell, you can actually do two different things. You might be the kind of person who goes into the shell and just sort of waits out the storm, waits for it to pass, maybe even rolls your eyes a little bit internally, thinks that the other person is too emotional, and that they just need to calm down, and you've decided to just wait it out. That's one kind of stonewalling or withdrawing. Another kind is when you are also in your shell, but instead of just sort of waiting out the storm, you are brooding actively and very angry about what you perceive as slights or insults or intentional wrong turns by the other person, and you're brooding within. That's another kind of shutdown. And The brooding kind is often the kind that we're talking about when we're talking about the flooded, right? Your emotional system is flooded and you feel very much in fear. You may not even identify it as fear because it's probably covered up in anger when you're brooding. But underneath, it's the fear that you are not loved, that your needs don't matter, that the other person is intentionally harming you or at least neglecting you. That's a brooding kind, right? So it happens because everybody has an amygdala and each person's amygdala reacts differently. Some of us will react by actually expressing more and more of our emotions and needs and anger, right? So those are the opposites of the stonewalling. They are the people who are yelling, threatening, crying, begging, complaining, criticizing. But some of our amygdalas, instead of expressing a lot in that way, it goes the other way and it leads to shutdown. What I want to emphasize here is both types 
is just the amygdala reacting to flooding. They're both flooding. If one person is flooded and their amygdala has them yelling and threatening or crying and begging and complaining, and then another person is also flooded, but their amygdala has them shutting down, withdrawing and brooding and stonewalling, they're just mirror images of one another. Both nervous systems in that scenario, they are both flooded, but one is reacting differently than the other. Now, the fact that we all get flooded sometimes is not a problem, okay? Even people in successful, happy, long-term relationships will have periods where they or their partner were flooded. That is inevitable part of being human. The problem is when we don't recognize that we're flooded, and because we don't recognize it, we don't notice our part in keeping that flooding dance going with our partners. And because we don't recognize our part, we just keep repeating it and defending it. That's where the problem occurs, okay? The fact that you get flooded or your partner gets flooded and the fact that you may both express your flooding differently is not a problem. The problem only comes when you don't recognize that you're flooded and you keep repeating and defending your part in that cycle. That, my friends, is definitely a relationship quicksand. If you're reacting to flooding by yelling or threatening or blaming a lot, it can veer into emotional abusiveness. And if you are the kind of person who tends to shut down, withdraw, stonewall, and refuse to engage in conversation and give a silent treatment, that can veer into emotional, being emotionally manipulative. So you can imagine that both kinds, when left unchecked with no self-awareness and no self-ownership, it can really hurt the relationship. So we've looked at what it is. We've looked at why it happens. We've looked at the different kinds of flooding, right? We've looked at even within the withdrawal kind of reaction, you can have the dismissive, just waiting out the storm, and you can have the ruminative brooding type. And we talked about how each kind of flooding itself is not a problem, but that when it is left unchecked, it can veer into emotional abusive territory or emotionally manipulative territory. Now let's think about the three steps to begin to tackle this. This topic alone, I could talk for for 48 hours straight on this podcast. There's so much to unpack here, but I'm just going to start giving you three steps. And I want to tell you also that every Thursday in our free Facebook group, Heal Your Relationships is the name of the free Facebook group. It's a private group. And inside the group, every Thursday evening, I go in depth on these topics with scripts and examples. And I take your questions and I answer them and make sure that the models that I'm teaching, you can apply and customize to your unique relationship. And that's something that we're going to be doing today too, right? You're listening to this probably sometime on Thursday, but later today, we're going to be in our Facebook group unpacking this topic in a very deep level and customizing it to your unique situation. So come and join us. It's a free Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. Okay. Three steps. Number one, get really good at recognizing flooding within you. Because when we're flooded, we actually don't know that we're flooded. We think that we are justifiably annoyed and justifiably angry. And we are filled with thoughts about how the other person is a jerk or is being unfair or is 
thoughtless or selfish or whatever else. We don't know that we're flooded, which is why we can stay in the flooded state for a long period of time. So the number one thing is getting good at recognizing when you're flooded. So ask yourself, when you're in that state, what sensations, body sensations, right? Maybe your throat constricts, maybe you feel nauseous, maybe you feel anger rising in your chest. Maybe it's hard to swallow, you feel like crying, right? What sensations, what thoughts, what feelings, and what urges come up for you? And you want to differentiate between feeling 6 out of 10 overwhelmed versus 8 out of 10 flooded. Why is that important? Because when you can recognize your beginning of possible flooding at 6 out of 10, you can actually prevent it from becoming full-on flooding. Because remember, full-on flooding, when it happens frequently and without recourse, it can really damage a relationship. So number one, get good at recognizing flooding within you and get good at knowing what sensations, thoughts, and feelings and urges come up within me when I'm 6 out of 10 annoyed, frustrated, overwhelmed versus 8 out of 10 flooded. Number two, when you're at a 6 out of 10, you want to learn ways to stay in the conversation while also self-soothing yourself in that moment. Really important. 6 out of 10 does not mean that you need to leave the conversation. It does mean that you need to connect with your body and learn ways to soothe yourself while staying in the conversation so that it can stay at a 6 out of 10 or even maybe go down to a 5 out of 10 but certainly does not go to an 8 out of 10. Because important conversations are going to be a little bit uncomfortable, we don't want to run away every time something comes up as a 6 out of 10 for us. What we do want to do, though, is learn to pick up those signals and self-soothe in the moment so we can stay in the conversation in a productive way. Okay. Another aspect of the second step is when you're an 8 out of 10, you have to ask for and take a break. And there's a way to ask for and take a break. You don't want to say, you are being X, Y, and Z right now. I'm not going to talk to you until you calm down. This is what many of us often make a mistake with. That is not the way to take a break. There is a way to take a break that actually preserves your dignity and integrity, and also preserves the connection in the relationship. So for now, suffice to say, you want to learn how to ask for and take a break. That break should be at least 20 to 30 minutes, maybe even longer, depending on if you're just starting to learn how to do this, you may need longer time for your nervous system to calm down, but minimum 30 minutes. And equally important is to come back to continue the conversation, either 30 minutes later or that night or the next day, don't delay by more than 24 to 48 hours. You want to come back and continue the conversation because if you don't, then stonewalling is now becoming a chronic way to deal with the relationship, which means you are actively damaging the relationship. So taking a break is not the same as withdrawing and refusing to talk about something. Okay. Finally, number three, during your time when you're taking a break, once you've soothed yourself, you want to get really clear on what am I feeling and what am I needing? And you want to have that be an actual need rather than a double negative. What I mean by that is, oftentimes we'll say something like, I feel like you don't care and what I need is for you to stop yelling. A better way to state this is, 
I feel alone when you raise your voice. I need to be able to discuss this calmly. See what I mean? So get clear on actually what your feelings are. When someone says, I feel like, that means they're not describing a feeling anymore. They're describing the other person and their judgments about the other person. I feel like you don't care is not actually a feeling. It's a description of the other person. Ask yourself, okay, what am I feeling? And you can actually look at uh, feeling wheels online. You can just Google feeling wheel and pick out your feelings on that feeling wheel. So get clear on what am I feeling? What am I needing? And then get curious on what is the other person possibly feeling? What are they needing? That's the only way when you come back to the conversation, you can have a better conversation than the first one. I also see a lot of couples making this mistake where they'll take a break and come back. But when they come back to talk about it, they'll just end up in the same argument again because nothing has changed. There's no insight or a different approach when they come back. They just jump right back into defending their position and trying to convince the other person why they were wrong and you were right. And the other person does the same thing. And before you know it, you're again in the argument. And after a few times of this, People just give up, right? You just stop talking about important things, which means there's more loneliness, less emotional intimacy, and oftentimes leads to the second wave of divorce in the United States, which is usually around the time that kids, if you have kids, are in high school or about to go to college. That's the second wave of divorce. That happens after people have tried many times to resolve something, but every time they try, they do it with the same ineffective tools, they end up with the same arguments and results, and then they give up and live like somewhat like roommates until the kids are older and then they separate. So you want to make sure that number one, you get good at recognizing flooding within you, right? Flooding means what sensations, thoughts, feelings, and urges come up at six out of 10 and at eight out of 10. When you're at six out of 10, you want to learn to stay in the conversation and self-soothe right then and there so you can continue without escalating. And when you're 8 out of 10, you want to learn to take a break and come back to it. So you don't convert a break into a prolonged, I don't want to talk about this sort of approach. And number three, during your break, after self-soothing, get to know what are my feelings and what are my needs? What might be the other person's feelings? What might be their needs? Only then the second conversation will actually be different and productive. So again, we're going to go very in-depth into this with examples, and I'm going to be answering your questions in our Facebook group, Heal Your Relationships. The link to join the group is in the show notes. Come join us there, and we can continue the conversation. I hope this was helpful. Start asking yourself, where do I fall in the spectrum, and how am I experiencing myself when I'm 6 out of 10 versus 8 out of 10? All right, my friends. I love you. Big hugs and take care. And I hope to see you in the Facebook group as well. Bye-bye. Hey, if you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like access to our marriage repair toolkit, you can go to www.healyourrelationships, all one word, healyourrelationships.com and look for free training. I'll see you there.